This is episode number 01 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Welcome to another episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're really excited to be kicking off the show with a topic that is near and dear to our hearts, uh, not just as health professionals, but as moms ourselves. So we're going to be talking about getting your body back after baby. This is a topic that comes up a ton with my coaching clients, especially working in the fitness and health world. And not only that, it's something that I have really had to do a lot of mindset work about in the last five plus years. We're going to be talking about postpartum body image and all the ways that this can affect our experience in motherhood. So Anita, I'm really interested in how this topic or this conversation comes up with your clients. And Mm -hmm. if it does, you just work a little bit differently with people. So are moms coming to you and telling you about their experiences with body image in your work? Yes, I would say it's, it's really, really common. Um, And I, I sometimes see differences. The clients I saw during pregnancy and then get to see them postpartum versus the ones I just see postpartum. But um, I would say it's really, really common. And I get asked a lot of questions like, is this normal or how I feel is normal or is it normal to have this going on with my body? And so I feel like this conversation, like I feel like most women postpartum are having this conversation, whether just with themselves or maybe with some close friends. Um And it's just, I think, a conversation we need to ask a little bit more about in terms of why we feel this way, which is what we're going to be diving into today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that is where the coaching around this conversation starts with my clients is really about digging into the why. We'll get there in a second. But first, I just want to talk about our experiences a little bit, a little bit with this because we're both moms, toddlers, um, almost two and two plus, and we've been there and we've felt these things too. And I just think it's important to talk about our own, our own experience with postpartum body image. So for me, it was a little bit of a different experience because I felt really comfortable with my body postpartum. And I know that that is not a common experience. Unfortunately, that is simply just the truth. But I did so much mindset work in order to be able to get to that place. So for me, this story really starts decades ago when I was eight years old. And at eight years old was when I first started restricting food and it was when I first started feeling that I was uncomfortable in my body. I felt like my body was too big, it was too fat, and it needed to be smaller. So this was at eight 
eight, nine, 10 is when I really had a lot of severe body image issues and actually developed into some serious eating disorders and anorexia. So I was doing gymnastics when I was a kid. I was in the recreational levels, but in the gym, I saw the pre-competitive and the competitive groups. And I was starting to notice that their bodies were different than mine. They were smaller. They were, they had muscle definition. Um, They were quick and light and fast. And I felt like I didn't look that way and that I wasn't those things. And I wanted to be because I wanted to be able to do the harder skills um, and the bigger tricks that they were doing. So in my eight-year-old brain, I rationalized this as I need to be skinnier to be able to do what the older girls were doing. So I consciously started restricting food. I would uh, make sure that I didn't eat my full meal at mealtimes. I started to throw my lunch and snacks out at school and I started to obsessively weigh myself. And I remember these times so clearly. And now I'm 30 plus. And so it's just so interesting how this impacted my childhood, but then also my teen years and my early 20s as well too. So long story short, I eventually got to a place after that uh, childhood times where I was really in a dangerous spot, had some interventions come in with my teacher, my parents, uh, my coaches, and eventually got to a place where I started eating more normally and more regularly, gained body fat, uh, body weight again, and was at a healthier size. But really, truly the body image stuff and the my relationship with food and exercise was difficult for years. And it was until my mid-20s as well. And I always had these thoughts in the back of my mind that I needed to use food or that I could use food to control my body. And I could use food to change my body and exercise as well. These were tools that I knew that at any time I could use and I could get really strict with in order to make my body smaller. And that's what it was always rooted in, making my body smaller. I was too big, I was too fat. I had these negative connotations with big and fatness. So I got to a place in my mid twenties where I was just done feeling this way. I knew that I just wanted to make these shifts to be able to eat really effortlessly and with ease and to not have to feel stressed about it. And the same with my relationship with exercise too. I just wanted to feel like I wanted to move my body or not. And that would be okay too. Just release the guilt and shame happening around food. So I did tons of mindset work about this, went into pregnancy in a really good place, just kept reminding myself over and over again to trust the experience and to allow my body to do what it did. And then going into postpartum, my mantra was let yourself be postpartum. And it's something that I talk about with my clients all the time. Just let yourself be postpartum, trust that your body is doing what it needs to do and just go along for the ride with it. So that was my experience postpartum, but it has taken (laughs) decades of work to get there. What was your experience like? Yeah, I think that's amazing, Jess, because I don't think enough enough of us, and I definitely did not, I was not doing mindset before about postpartum. My big mindset was about birth. And so that's kind of where I was when I was um, in terms of pregnancy. Um, and postpartum, I feel like it's what we've talked about, like the body, my body has constantly been changing. And like I have clients coming in saying like, you know, I'm not in my pre, you know, pre-pregnancy genes and all this. And like, I will be totally honest. 
I'm not in my pre-pregnancy genes and I'm almost two years postpartum and I'm totally fine with that. There are days where I'm like, like I would like to, but then I just remind myself, like my body has constantly changed over the last two years for so many reasons. Um, But I would say like in terms of body image, like for me, it goes back similar with you, how you had gymnastics. I grew up as a dancer, specifically ballet. And so, um, and I grew up as an athlete as well, but it came more so with ballet that I, when I was younger, I was like, what I wanted to be was a professional ballet dancer. And for anyone out there who's listening, who's gone through, um, who's grown up with ballet and has gone through those stages, you learn at a young age, if that's going to be an option, like you learn like grade five if that's going to be an option for your career. And I remember um, being told like, I'm too tall. And I was like, well, I can't really fix that. Um, and that like, I had hips and ballet dancers, like that was just not, that wasn't the ideal body image. And I, I'm glad to see over the years, things do change. Things have been changing, but there still is, you know, a physique in terms of a professional ballet dancer. So luckily though, with that, um, I feel like it didn't, I was trying to kind of, when we were thinking about this episode, I feel like looking back, um, I, I wouldn't say for me, it changed my relationship with food. I've always loved food and my family and my mom, like everyone, it's just always been, um, you know, a part of family, a part of gatherings. And so I found that even with that experience at that age, I don't feel like it changed my relationship with food, but I would say I was always self-conscious of my body, um, kind of growing up. And, um, and then with sports, and when I was in high school, um, I still continued to dance throughout high school and through university, but my main sport in high school was rowing. And I was considered a midweight, um, and there was one other midweight in my crew, but we rowed with heavyweights. So my actual weight was never really an issue or there was never pressure put on me, but I had a lot of friends who were lightweights. And I remember them you know, running with garbage bags under their clothes, limiting what they were eating right before weigh-in. So, I mean, I definitely was surrounded by that. Plus, I did have colleagues who did dance um, who I know were going through their own um, body image issues, too. So I feel like it's always been it's kind of been there from a young age. So kind of fast forward to when I was pregnant, I noticed um, just that body is obviously constantly changing during pregnancy. But something Jess and I have talked about is like, for some reason, people feel like they have the right to comment on your body because you're pregnant. So I'd have some people say I look really small for where I was in pregnancy and other people implying that I was large for where I was in pregnancy and sometimes in the same day. So it you can see how like it's this constant messaging and whether you like take in that energy or not, you're constantly being told this throughout. And my personal experience was in the first trimester, like I quickly started gaining in my thighs and my abdomen. So like I couldn't fully like put my pants on. So a lot of people were saying, you know, get that belly band so you can put your jeans on and just as your belly expands. And I'm just like, uh, I can't do that. I can't get my jeans over my thighs. So that wasn't even an option. Um, and, and then the whole other thing about gaining weight pregnancy, right? Like I just, it bugs me when there's, you know, if you gain too much or too little, then who really decides what that is anyways, right? So in terms of that's pretty much a whole other conversation of when we talk about weight gain during pregnancy. Um, And for me personally, my care providers, I found them fantastic with that experience. So even though 
you know, you could weigh yourself. I didn't have to weigh myself. And regardless of the number I told them, there was no judgment on what that was. And because how we were saying there is so much about, did you gain too much or too little? Um, and so I found that experience actually really positive, but I know every expecting person doesn't get that experience. So I think that'll be something good for us to talk about uh, in another episode is just kind of body image during pregnancy. Um, but then that takes me to my postpartum experience. And I remember, and now I tell clients after like that initial time after you give birth, baby comes out and your stomach is just this mush. I can't even can't even explain what it is and clients when they come back after they're like oh that's what you were talking about um and so regardless of what core work you do during pregnancy it does not matter this will happen to everyone so i feel like kind of that's the the immediate kind of postpartum uh, experience but then it's just the body was constantly changing and um i was able to nurse and so i was constantly hungry all the time thirsty and hungry so I didn't really know what my body was going to be doing. But to be honest, like those early months postpartum, that was, to be honest, it was the last thing on my mind, kind of what was going to be changing, because I knew there would be a lot of changes. Um, and initially, kind of, I did drop um, a lot of the weight, but as a lot of moms go through, kind of your body hangs on to some as well. So my body currently is still constantly changing. Um, but I think something a lot of clients talk about as well and something I experience is like initially those first few months you feel like okay my body's going through what it needs to go through but then you wonder like a lot of as we talk about clients say like when am I going to get my body back and I remind myself and I remind my clients that your pre-baby body didn't grow a baby and birth a baby and now taking care of a baby whether you're nursing or bottle feeding doesn't matter your body has gone through a lot of changes. And so your body isn't the same and isn't going to be the same, but that doesn't have to be a negative experience. I have a lot of clients who then having gone through pelvic floor and core issues, get this new awareness of this area of the body and actually feel stronger and have this new awareness of their body that they never had and this then empowers them going into their next pregnancy if they choose to have another another child. So I think it's just the bottom line is our, our body's constantly changing and there are a lot of um, images out there and messages, especially on social media. So, you know, be aware of what you're tuning into, what you're paying attention to. Do you actually want to pay attention to that? Is that going to actually help you with your recovery or is that almost holding you back from where you could be at your level with your body. Mm, yeah. Oh, I think you touched on such an interesting point where this comes up with my clients a lot too. It's like we're able to have this grace and this patience with ourselves until a certain point postpartum, for first couple months postpartum. You're like, my body did this crazy big thing. We're still going through all these changes. I'm not sleeping. I'm starving all the time. And then... It's almost like you get to a certain point postpartum, a few months out, six months, a year, that people are like, okay, but it's still the same. I'm still carrying more body fat. I want my body to look different and to feel different. And then this sense of urgency is created. 
And I think that that is something that is a constant conversation in my own mind too. And something that I've had to remind myself of a million times over the last two plus years is that there's no deadline and that my body might just be bigger and carry more fat and be rounder forever, forever. And that's going to be okay. And I have to be okay with that in order to live, in order to survive, in order to be comfortable in this body. So that's a question that I ask my clients a lot too when they're feeling this urgency or this stress. Like, what if your body just never changed? What if your body was always this size? What if your body is always bigger? What would you do? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And it's also, you know, being present. Because if there's such a focus on, I've got to get it back, you're going to really miss parts of motherhood of your child's life, especially those first few, like, you know, months and years having this focus and they're also watching us. So that's what I feel like I'm also conscious of, of like, am I sending messages to my daughter that I might not even be aware of, but how I'm looking or talking about my body. So this constant urgency to get her body back, does affect us, but then also our little ones in so many ways. Hundred percent. I was just thinking about this last night, actually. So, steal my daughter, two and a half. I started feeling that I was too fat, or I thought that fat was bad when I was eight. Two and a half to eight. That's not really that much time in the grand scheme of things. We could be dealing with her having an eating disorder in a few years. That is terrifying for me and it also fuels the work that I do. And it makes me very specific and aware of the language that is used in our house, the messaging and media that we allow in, what other family members say in front of her, and the conversations that we're going to be having about bodies as she is able to understand and comprehend more. It is so interesting for me. We were back in our hometown the whole month of September this year or last year by the time this airs and the way that I just notice people in a different environment um, in different houses the way that they talk about food and their bodies I'm always listening (laughs) and not to scare people but I'm just always listening and it is always in the back of my mind about how we will address these things with her once she becomes a certain age where she's able to understand what they're saying it scares me So I think important conversation or question for all of us to ask ourselves is really where is this coming from or what is this idea of getting our body back? What is that rooted in? Um, So just kind of with the the mindset and kind of the um, looking back on your experiences, what would you say, what do you feel like it's rooted in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is something that I think about often because At eight, when I thought I was fat, why did I think that was bad? Or why did I believe and know that fat was bad? Why do we still believe that when we are mothers, when we have had these babies? Why is our body being fat such a terrible thing? And why do we need to change that? So fat phobia is a real true thing that we have been conditioned to believe and it is uncomfortable as hell when we start to uncover that but I think it is something that we absolutely need to be thinking about. So fat phobia is essentially this fearfulness of being fat or being bigger and these ideas that we have around fat people and fat bodies that they are lesser than or unworthy or they don't hold as much value 
So start to dive into that for yourself. And it is something that over the last couple of years that I have started to, um, again, peel apart the layers on because we have to in order to change our relationship with fatness. Diet culture. It is as though as women that we only have one option and that option is to be smaller. And it is this constant quest for fat loss and weight loss. I mean, truly for me, from the time I was eight until my mid-20s, that was the only thing that I thought about my body was that it needed to be smaller. For people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, through to their 80s, this is still an idea that they are constantly struggling with, that they are always needing to lose another 5 or 10 pounds, that they are always needing to go on the next diet. So this idea that we need to be smaller um, is so pervasive in our lives throughout the majority of our lives for a lot of women. There are also just many internal and external pressures that could be coming at us. They're all rooted in fat phobia and diet culture, 100%. Um, Whether that's pressure that you're putting on yourself, that you need to look a certain way for whatever reason, or pressure, say, that's coming from your family, uh, your mother, your partner, your friends. These are internal and external pressures that can be coming at us in postpartum. But again, I think it's just so important to uncover the whys around those pressure. This is something that I tell my cons- my clients constantly is just keep questioning yourself. And when I have those moments where I feel weird or uncomfortable or too big in my body, I just keep asking myself why until I get to the bottom of it. I think that's a really good point because I think or I know because I know myself personally, I, I don't ask myself why. And I don't think a lot of the clients I've worked with ask why, because there's just so much going on. Um, and maybe delving deeper into why will give us a really uncomfortable answer. So I think anyone listening, this is kind of the, the takeaway point from this episode is, you know, ask yourself why a little bit more than maybe you already are. Mm-hmm. So why is a smaller body better? And what is the struggle and discomfort with bigness? I would start there. Mm -hmm. So something that I think is also really important to talk about in this time of postpartum is having a sense of control because postpartum can just be this crazy, hazy world that we're living with and having some control or feeling like we have a sense of control over our body and the composition of it can feel comforting and I totally relate to this because as I was saying I used food and exercise as control tools for years and it felt good it felt like you were able to at least have a piece of control over one part of your world and in postpartum where we feel like everything is a little bit wild and out of our control um, the baby the feeding the sleep thinking that we can control our body and what it looks like um, is very reassuring to people. Yeah. And I think um, going back to that in terms of the control postpartum, even thinking about the clients I see in the clinic, a lot of times the reason that clients are seeing me is they want control over their bladder. They want their abdomen. They want control over what their abdomen looks like. And, you know, do they have a diastasis? So an ab separation. Um, And for there are clients who come in and they don't really have an ab separation or it's it's pretty minor. So to be able to explain to them like what you're uncomfortable with with your abdomen isn't actually 
because of the abdominal separation. You know, talking to women saying, you know, in pregnancy, our body does hold on to fat and creates fat cells in terms of a different way, but that's actually a good thing. We need that to help our body thrive and protect our baby during pregnancy. Um, and our, our abdomen has to stretch, our skin has to stretch, and some women get uh, stretch marks and others don't. And to this, this day, we don't totally know the total reason why, and I think genetics can be a part of it. But all these things our body does, which is amazing during pregnancy, and all of a sudden what we want to do is have control and erase any outer evidence or inner evidence that we had a baby. And I think that's also what it comes back to that in society, we have this idea of, you know, having children, having pregnancy or being pregnant, there's all this pressure. So you know, if you're listening to this and you've chosen not to have children, that's again, a whole other conversation. There's this pressure to have children. Um, but then there's this pressure postpartum to erase any evidence of having children. So it's this, you know, back and forth, this constant battle, inner battle that we have, but a battle coming also from external pressures um, in terms of that. I think Jess, you mentioned it was in social media or a blog and you said, it was before you had had steel, before you were pregnant, and an instructor made a comment in a class you were taking saying, was it the, um, your abdomen isn't an abdomen of someone who's had kids? And I remember reading that and being like, wow, like I didn't even have words for that because that's already, and I'm sure the instructor, it, it wasn't it wasn't something said to have a negative repercussion from, but those words can totally affect uh, someone when they hear those. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That was in when I first started personal training and I was working at a pre and postnatal studio that was just coaching for pregnant women and moms. And I was shadowing a core class that I was going to be teaching. And so I was doing the class with the other moms who were there and we were doing like a dead bug type exercise. And the instructor, who was a lovely person, was going around and just feeling everyone's bellies when they were in this contracted hold. And she said that those are the abs of someone who hasn't had a baby. And in that moment, I was like, damn, then what are the abs like of someone who has had a baby? And that fueled a ton of fear for me for many years, thinking about pregnancy and postpartum as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a big conversation. So, yeah. And so just knowing like words can really affect someone. So again, if you're listening and you're a health professional, a fitness professional, a birth professional, they may seem like passing words to you when you're talking to clients or family or friends, but just know the words you say do have an impact, whether you notice an immediate reaction or the person you're saying them to may internalize them and that may stay with them. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to touch on one more aspect of this control because it's something that I've been thinking about now in this pregnancy number two for myself. When I was pregnant with Steel, I basically could have hid my pregnancy until I was six plus months pregnant. I'm just tall. I have a long torso um, and I grow small babies apparently. And I just could have hid it for a long time. This pregnancy, not so much. My body has responded completely differently. My belly is bigger much faster and it's actually really fun for me because there's some signs sooner 
And that was just not my experience last time at all. I know that people can get really uncomfortable with this in subsequent pregnancies that their body is a lot bigger, a lot faster, and they get very worried for what that's going to look like the rest of their pregnancy and then into postpartum too. What I've been thinking about is, again, trusting the experience and also not or as best I can, not comparing this body in this pregnancy to the last pregnancy. And also knowing that I'm going into this pregnancy with a bigger body, and that is okay, and I'm going to come out of this pregnancy with a bigger body, and that's going to be okay too. So it's a different shape, my body will be a different composition, and it will function differently, and knowing that that is just what is going to happen, and where can I find peace and neutrality, and even when we can get to a place of love with that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great point. So something I think is pretty common is this idea of, you know, if I was smaller, if I had less body fat, if I could fit um, into my pre-pregnancy clothes, that I'll feel better in my body, I'll have less pain, I'll have less symptoms, I'll have more energy. And again, it's kind of going back to that idea of, is this actually true? Like, will that actually happen? Or will it be this constant, um, you know, trying to strive for something? And then let's say you do lose some weight, then will it be, well, I need a few more pounds. Like there's always, there's never kind of this comfortableness with where you are, that there's always something more to strive for. So yeah, something to think about is, does, is this actually true? Or will you always be, you know, yearning for something more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a key point. I think it can spiral out of control pretty quickly when we want to lose some fat. We want to lose for some weight. And this is not true for everyone, of course, but I think that it can be a common experience that we just keep going and we keep going and we keep striving for more and we never get to this place of satisfaction with our bodies. So again, this is why I think it's so key to ask yourself, what if, what if this body is going to stay like this forever? How do I lose the discomfort in that? How can I get more comfortable in this where I am at? How can I live in this body and thrive in it? Because this is my life right now. Nothing is changing right now in this moment. So let's just get into it right now and get comfortable and start to move on from there. And I think too, even looking at some of those ideas of if it's, if you're thinking, if I lose weight, I'll have more energy. Well, what if we looked at it? How can I actually create, you know, that my body feeling more energized? So going about it more from that idea versus or if you're in pain how can i be in less pain rather than going from i need to lose weight to be in less pain so just some some ideas that we want you to consider if you're experiencing these thoughts as well i think another key point is that we do not need to go to absolutely wildly obsessed with our bodies and super in love with them something that aaron brown says is go neutral Can you just go to neutral with your body? Can you just get to a place of peace? You don't have to go from hating your belly to I love my belly. There's so many steps in between there that we're going to have to work through. So just start to go neutral. Just stop picking it apart. 
Um, if you find yourself picking it apart, can you get out of that mindset a little bit faster every time? What does it take for you to stop that negative self-talk just a second faster? Notice the thoughts. Don't beat yourself up or judge them for coming because they might just continue to come for a while. But how can you bring yourself back to center a little bit faster? Just go to neutral, go to peace. It doesn't have to be this self-love conversation that I know we're seeing a lot on our social media feeds. Um, it doesn't have to go from zero to 100. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes back to what you kind of started our conversation off with, Jess, is let yourself be postpartum. That idea, just kind of have that come back to your thoughts. And we're also not saying like acceptance doesn't mean that you don't care about yourself or care about your body. Like we're, that's not what we're trying to say. Um, but that neutrality will just take that pressure off of this constant, you know, urgency to get to a place that you're not at. And so see if you can get to that acceptance spot and then see how you feel. You may actually have more energy when you're more accepting of your body. You may be in less pain if you're more accepting of your body. So all these different thoughts to uh, consider and to go through as well. And, um, and we've talked about this throughout the conversation today is social media and this idea of we can control what we watch and what we tune into. So maybe it's going back to your Instagram feed, your Facebook feed, or anything that you um, gravitate to online and see, you know, do I actually want to spend my time and energy taking this in? Or are there other, um, other people or resources or influences I would rather be following to gain that acceptance of my body? Yeah, I love that point so much. Something that we also discuss in my coaching group with my clients is diversifying your social media feeds. So are you just seeing the same body type on social media over and over again? That's really common for a lot of people. So follow and find accounts who are showing variations of body in their size, their composition, their age, their race, their culture, really bring more representation into your life that way. So two big takeaways from today's episode. Number one, why? Keep asking yourself questions about why your thoughts are coming up and why you actually believe them or do you actually believe them. And number two, be selective in the conversations you're engaging with, the language you're using about other people's bodies and your own body, and what images and conversations are flooding your social media feeds. So thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to have you join us on our next episode where we'll continue to dive into topics around fertility, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 